what kind of programs does this school have? How are the test scores? How many kids do a classroom? Homes.com knows these are all things you ask when you're home shopping as a parent. That's why each listing on Homes.com includes extensive reports on local schools, including photos, parent reviews, test scores, student-teacher ratio, school rankings, and more. The information is from multiple trusted sources and curated by Homes.com's dedicated in-house research team. It's also you can make the right decision for your family. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Looking for a fabulous fashion brand that celebrates you? Then look no further than Boston Proper, where styles are designed with you in mind. So you can look and feel amazing, no matter the day, season, or occasion. At bostonproper.com, you'll find fashion that knows you best. For over 30 years, Boston Proper has been the fashion destination for confident women who want to elevate their look with unique, sophisticated clothing at affordable prices. Visit bostonproper.com today. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. legend you are crushing life you are totally maximizing your potential how is your life feeling these days jesse it's been good it's been busy it's um it's hectic this is um i guess when you choose not to have kids you just fill it up with everything else in life (laughs) yeah especially when you're a hit songwriter and you've written 22 number ones which is unbelievable We'll get into that. You've been nominated for a Grammy a couple of times. You've gotten like songwriter of the year a couple of times. You, um, I mean, there's so many accolades that you have going on. You're a producer. You produce so many hit artists. You have real man. And it's just, it's so fun. And your telemetry, which you just released your sequel album, Return to Calm Springs, because you already put one out. Palm Springs, which is all about just like the most incredible background album playing, just music, instrumental. And it's like, what is it? Like your mar- martini soak. Tell me the tr- the description of it because I've been listening to it all morning and I'm like, this is the best like party chill music ever. Yeah. I mean, it kind of looks like your wallpaper back there, basically. Yeah. Um, Mixed with yours. So, yes, exactly. If you take <laughs> my Miami tropical and your cactus, we have Calm Springs. Yeah. Um, basically, during covid everyone was losing their minds and we're all kind of trying to figure things out i was um i was sending casey musgraves a bunch of tracks and just different vibes and a lot of them were very 70s and 60s influenced and at some point she goes you should just put these out they just like sound kind of cool like that so we're like oh man maybe we should just do a project where it's just kind of i don't know background music because you know in my personal opinion I have a, amazing, amazing songwriter peers, but I don't think that most people want to hear like a songwriter EP. <laughs> so like, I, I mean, I'd listen, but you know, I don't know. I just thought if I'm going to put something out, it's going to be unique. And I didn't want it to be something that they thought I would do, like would like an EDM project or house music or something. So I'm like, I'm going to put this out and just kind of float it out there. And it kind of, it didn't like, you know, track a bunch of streams or, you know, break any records or anything. But every time we went somewhere, all of our friends and artists and all everyone we interacted with were playing it at dinner parties. And it kind of dawned on me that people don't really have like a lot of soundtracks to talk no. over. No, there's like zero. Yeah. So it's kind of music to be ignored. It, it definitely is I, I keep saying that it's like Frank Sinatra, Marilyn Monroe's pool party playlist. That's what I feel like if you walked into his estate that's called Twin Palms in Palm Springs back in the day, 
and he's making a drink. I feel like this is what it would sound like with his living room opening up into the pool. And it just kind of sets that vibe. So yes, uh. martini sipping music, music to be ignored, make memories to talk over, just have in the background. Just set a vibe, which is mm-hmm. kind of who you are. You kind of just set the vibe. Yeah. Like literally, like you make tracks, you produce, you songwrite, you're coming up with ideas, you're putting out vibes. Like you're kind of a vibe master. (laughs) It's funny. Uh, One of our friends calls us the keeper of the vibe. Like (laughs) means just because that's that's so um, integral for us, whether it's picking a restaurant or our house or hotel. I mean, everything for us has to feel good. In fact, Every writing room I've ever had, I don't really focus on like the sonics and all the like technical. I just want it to look really dope and feel really cool. So yes, we definitely like vibes for sure. What does a vibe do for you? Because I feel like a lot of people are understanding how important vibes are, but some people are just like, whatever, you know, we just got to move through, get this done, check this off the list, get this room set up for useful things, not, not pleasurable things. Tell me why a vibe makes such a difference. Well, I feel like it's almost like the, you know, that Japanese culture thing in, in the past where it's like, if it, it feels good, it's going to produce energy. But for me, you're, you're instantly transported. If you walk into that room you're in right now, and I don't know if people can see this video, but the cactus and the cow in the cowboy boots, you're instantly transported to a mood, right? And the same thing here and any restaurant you go to, if you go into a room where it's bad lighting, you know, that kind of dental, we call it dental office lighting when it's like, you know what I'm talking about? Fluorescent. So right beaming down on you yeah or it's you know overly loud or the music's off sometimes you know we went to a tiki bar the other day and they were playing like blink 182 and it just didn't fit you know it wasn't the vibe yeah so it's like there's these things that i think transport people and, and um people have busy lives people uh have even songwriters and creators they have a lot going on and families going on so if they can walk in here at 11 a.m. and be transported for a few hours and feel comfortable and feel like this place condones creativity, you know, that that to me is really all it's about. I mean, you could spend a lot more money and make it sound technically better and all this stuff. But ultimately, you know, if it sounds good to us, maybe our fans will like it. So I just really want to create a spot where people feel like whimsical and, you know, cool and vibey and comfortable. So you were talking about Stevie and Mm -hmm. I love Stevie. She's your wife. Y'all are actually one of my like favorite Nashville industry couples because you guys are a true team. You know, there's a lot of great couples out there, but you guys like are a true team. Like, and y'all see each other's value. You see each other's like all the positive assets that each one has. You work together, you lift each other up. You really utilize the best out of each other. And I think that that is so awesome. And it's not always the case with couples. And I just feel like you guys are a really strong power couple. And I just want to dive into that a little bit because how has this marriage supported your career? Because I feel like she has been your biggest champion. Y'all started a publishing company with Jay-Z. I mean, so cool. But how has that support and this relationship with Stevie been such a foundation of who you are and who you've been able to become? Um, I mean, even back going back to when we were both music publishers, which basically means I wasn't full time songwriting. Uh, We were both in jobs where we were assisting other uh, songwriters in town. And I was kind of writing on the side. She was very encouraging then. I mean, she introduced me to Chris Stapleton when you know he was still trying to figure things out and him and I would ride at night. And she That's just- That's awesome. Yeah, it's crazy. In fact, my uh, a song called Crash and Burn came from that, like us fooling around. Wait, for Thomas know. Rhett, right? Uh, yeah. I remember um, that came out and it was like, it's like, it's got, it's way more like pop a little bit. And I was like, I, man. And then I saw that you and Chris Stapleton wrote it. I'm like, that is a cool combination. And the whole like, yeah. the whole creation and birth and then how it came out into the world with all of y'all as ingredients. That's an awesome, that was an awesome, that's awesome. Stevie set that up and, but that was like not us trying to write country music. In fact, we thought we were going to pitch it to Bruno Mars. Really? Making like, cause I'm from Detroit and he loves soul music. So Stapleton and I would just get together and screw around. And at the time he hadn't blown up as an artist yet. So he was just figuring it out and writing songs for people. But the artist thing was not, 
the Chris Stapleton that we know today. I think people in town knew his voice was sick, but the rest of the world had not discovered him from that Justin Timberlake performance quite yet, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, st- just, you know, back on CV, introduced me to people like him or believing in me and just kind of putting up with me. I mean, I was traveling around DJing a ton and um, working as a music publisher and then writing songs at night and doing all kinds of different things. But she always was very supportive. I think we were, I was mostly, you know, a little timid about working together early on just because of like, oh, what is this? This is such a lifestyle career. So I was worried about taking that home with us. But then at the end of the day, you kind of realize it is a lifestyle career and we were taking it home anyways. <laughs> She's already in the music industry. So why not join forces about the two things we're most passionate about and that's each other and and kind of just, you know, really combine this and, and make it a dope thing. So it's amazing to have someone kind of that is so passionate and a critic. I mean, she'll tell me, she'll be like, eh, I don't really like that song. Straight up. You know, she usually right. Yeah. I mean, you know, the the funny thing about music is it's all taste. Right. right. I do think that the the female taste is in songs is crucial. I've always kind of surrounded myself with um, female ears. Really? So Tell me that, why. Um, I just think that specifically in country music, but in all genres, I well, this is a this is kind of an example. But up in my bar. There's a picture of an audience. It's a screaming audience. Um, you can't tell who's on stage, but it's an audience full. I think it's in the 50s. Uh, audience full of females, and they're going apeshit crazy. And you, I mean, you could put Justin Bieber on that stage or whoever, but it happens to be a Frank Sinatra show. And you can't find a single guy in that entire audience. And you're talking about a guy that now we look back at at it being like the cool guy, right? The rap pack, the guy's guy he had mostly female fans. And I just think that in music in general, there is a driving force of females that are the passionate, hungry ones. There's guys that listen to Morgan Wallen, of course, but the the like craziness of, I'm gonna buy the merch, I'm gonna invest in every song. I do think that that, that is driven by women. So I think it's very important to kind of have the, the female expertise and ears, not to mention overall, most of the time, I feel like females make really good leaders uh, of companies and they're they're usually pretty good at nurturing songwriters and creative people in general. So anyways, in my life, I just have always kind of thought that was an important thing. Why do you think that is with females? That's such a good point. Why why do females lean in harder? I think they're just, you know, they're they're passionate. Um, they like when they do like something, it's all it right. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to buy three sweatshirts. I'm going to listen to everything. I'm going to get to know this guy's lifestyle brand completely. So the the brands out there that do that, that package up a lifestyle brand, whether you're Casey Musgraves and it's kind of Lana Del Rey country music or you're Morgan Wallen and it's kind of redneck country, you know, they're going to lean into that brand really well. So, you know, I think all genres, but specifically country music, it's very important to kind of get a a female opinion and approach. A lot of my songwriters are females, even when we're writing for a Jelly Roll or a Thomas Rhett, you know, there's, it's always nice to kind of have a female co-writer in the room kind of guiding things and kind of calling you out and like, that's stupid, (laughs) you know, or that's how it would be said, or, you know, that's just my personal opinion, but um, we've struggled to have a lot of female voices on country radio over the last decade or so. But um, I like to have them at least in my professional life and in the writing room. And you've written a couple of number ones for some females. Like you just had Miranda Lambert, or I don't know if it went number one, but some big hits. Miranda yeah. Lambert, you've yeah. written for who? Who are who are all the people that you've had big hits with? Um, like in general, like female wise, Lauren Elena, um, Miranda Lambert. But uh, in general, I've had a lot of hits with Thomas Rhett, John Party. Um, I've had his with Blake Shelton. Um, I've had Old Dominion. Uh, so many, it's hard to remember them all, Jesse. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. It's been, we've had a really good run. And to think, you know, I came to town in 2001 and came to be a songwriter and like gave up on it very quickly. Cause when did I meet you? What was the year I met you? Oh, Jesse, how we met. I was waiting for this moment to interject this story. Okay. You. You actually, 
so I moved to Nashville when I was in two, 2008. I was in college at Belmont and I was looking for an internship. So it was either 2008 or 2009. Okay. I was looking for an internship and somehow, oh, I think I tried to get an internship where you were working. You were just like in the mailroom or something at Bob Doyle's company. Yeah, yeah, Major Bob, yeah. Or you probably weren't in the mailroom. You probably had something more legit yeah. than that. But like, you weren't like Jesse Frazier yet. You were just like, I don't even think you had started writing songs at that point. I didn't get my first cut until 2013, like my first hit song. So, and yeah. you were like a surprise writer, you know, because like you weren't doing songwriting. Weren't you doing like publishing or something? I was a publisher, but I would let, you know, th that was that whole era where you're just secretly writing the Chris Stapleton in the midnight hours. Yeah. Or like, um, you know, Shay Mooney from Dan and Shay. Shay yeah. Was in as an he was, he, he was, wait, 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 wait. Shay from Dan and Shay was signed to what? T-Pain. T-Pain as an R&B artist before he yeah. became a country star? Yeah. And he would come up to Nashville and he would write. And then Megan Trainer was a 17-year-old. She lived in Nantucket at the time. She would come to Nashville and write. With you? Misfit toys, yeah. How'd in you fact, find how'd y'all find each other? Uh well, Shay, I was introduced to by the Hot Shell Array boys. Do you remember that band? Hot Shell Ray. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, the Fallacy son. Yep. To Adrian yeah. and um Adrian and Keith Fallacy are two huge hit songwriters back in the day. Can't yeah. believe I'd say back in the day now, but like um, yeah. and their son was in a band, Hot Shell Ray. Yes. Brian Fallacy and Paul Overstreet's son, Nash Overstreet. Oh yeah. So, Nash introduced me to Shay and said, hey, there's this guy with this incredible voice. He's an R&B artist. He's coming up a bunch. And then Carla Wallace called me and said, hey, there's this super shy girl. She's from Nantucket. I saw her when I went to a you know songwriter festival and uh, I signed her. She's going to be taking some trips to Nashville. And so Carla I, was your publisher or was yeah, a publisher. She was just yeah. a friend. OK. In fact, Carla, you know, went on to publish Megan Trainer and Maren Morris and a mm -hmm. lot of another great female set of ears in town, but um, she said, you should write with this Megan girl and me and Megan and Shay ended up writing and again, writing pop songs. Stop. That You, Megan and Shay wrote together. Did y'all write a hit that made it? Yeah, there's a song called I Like the Sound of That by Rascal Flats that that went number one. Yeah, wait, y'all didn't, uh, Megan or Shay didn't even record it? Y'all got an outside cut? That's even harder. I, know. I mean, that's like a perfect, perfect moment right there. Well, you gotta remember back then, he wasn't in Dana Shea and she it's when I see her now is like this like personality. You, like I wish you could see Megan Trainer back then because she was so quiet and shy and different. It was different. She had an amazing voice, but very different. Well, she was so green. I mean, she was okay. just 17 years old, like diving into the industry. I mean, that's so overwhelming. How, yeah. how that's so cool. It's so cool to like hear the stories before they were, you know. Yeah. And there was this whole crew. I keep calling them misfit toys because we were, we were like, we were all intimidated by what was happening in country music, but we all grew up listening to everything from Tupac to Daft Punk to, you know, the Keith Urban Golden Road record. So we all were moving to town and everyone was like kind of being creative and working, but intimidated still. And well, and everybody was really good, but nobody knew where they belonged. Exactly. And the town needed to change, the lanes needed to change, and things just kind of needed to happen. So, you know, I was I was at the time DJing on the weekends. I would go work for Cash Money Records and, and just DJ parties. And I told my boss, hey, look, this is my creative outlet. So I'm going to fly on Fridays. I'll be back Sunday. But I have to do this. <laughs> so you're working all um, week as a publisher, and then you're secret songwriting at night, and then you're flying to do DJ stuff on the weekends? Yeah. Okay. Basically. You're really, see, you are really fueling the flame to your passionate desires. <laughs> I love that, Jesse. You're like, well, heck um, yeah, I'm making these dreams come true. Yeah, got to. And, you know, the funny thing is when people say pick a lane, like every single aspect of my life, whether it was DJing or making tracks or being a music publisher or producer, it's all helped each other. So I don't believe in that. I feel like, yes. If I was like chasing my dreams of being a master painter while I was doing all this, maybe, but as long as everything's. Well, no, because you probably would paint music, <laughs> paint art, 
that would pair well with the album that you created and you could sell it or put it on the walls of the rooms that you DJ. I mean, you can't, no, you can't. Yeah, or it could be your album cover. So I think painting art would actually pair well with all of this. <laughs> Maybe so. That's always helped me. I mean, you know, it was kind of at the time too where DJing was a sexy thing for artists. So they would take me out on the road here and that led to more songwriting and, you know, so yes, I've always kind of done a lot of things. That's so cool. Okay, so when you were at Major Bob, I guess you had just started the, you know, the the songwriting, or or you were. I didn't know you as a songwriter because, like, your day job was a publisher. Yeah, super. It's kind of a taboo thing to like be a. You don't want your songwriters that you're helping know that you're trying to be a songwriter too. Right, because they're like, "Are you going to pitch your song over my song? You're supposed to be working for me, man." Do you love fashion? Do you love getting compliments on how well you're dressed? Are you always seeking the latest trends? Then we're talking to you. BostonProper.com is your fashion destination and the only place to go for all those nods, head turns, and new styles. No matter the day, season, or occasion, Boston Proper has what you're looking for. Sophisticated, confident clothing designed to flatter and get noticed. So visit BostonProper.com now and start creating your perfect wardrobe. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. I I love that your secret songwriting with Chris Stapleton, Shay Mooney, Megan Trainer. I mean, that's just amazing. And y'all were the misfit toys. It's But see, just for everyone listening, just note to self, if you are a misfit toy but you know you're passionate and talented... Just stay the course because you will find your place. All of you guys have totally seen your passion and talent through, and it's now materialized into so many accolades and life experiences that are amazing, but you stuck with it, even though you didn't know where you belonged for a long time. I feel like that's a very common theme. Do you agree with that, Jesse? Absolutely. I think sometimes you need to let the world shift instead of shifting yourself. Um, You know, especially in any creative worlds where you can start chasing things and it gets real. One thing I can say is that I I was never chasing country music. I was just writing songs with talented people to have fun. And I mean, I wanted to put Chris Stapleton's voice on as many Motown sounding songs as I could because he sounded amazing. And I'm from Detroit and I love that style of music. At no point were we like, this would be awesome in country music. And then those kind of situations lead to Thomas Rhett calling going, hey, will you produce this record on me? And then six albums later, you know, you're producing country music. So like it, I think that it's important for people to understand that, you know, you have to be driven. I always felt like I wasn't the most talented person in town, but I felt like I could outwork pretty much anybody. And is that work ethic come from your upbringing? I guess so. You know, I, I, you know, some of it's probably from, insecurities of like, I'm not the best musician. I failed music theory at Michigan State. Um, the only class I've ever failed was a music class, which is classic. Um, so, <laughs> That's good though. Yeah, it's perfect. So some of it's, you know, I don't know. I, I think that I saw, I was intimidated. So I, I, you know, put it on the shelf for a second, chasing it. And maybe that made me appreciate it more when I saw, oh, this could work. So I'm going to go hard. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I do think there is a, you know, most creative people, I think, have a heroin addiction, you know, the goods and the bads of we would probably be doing this under a bridge somewhere if we weren't getting a paid just kind of, you know, for fun. Yeah, you have <laughs> so, to. It's um, like who you are. 
Yes. It's yeah. in your blood. I really believe that. I believe that anyone who's pursuing anything, I mean, it could be in any genre, but since we're in the industry, music industry and artists are talking about an artistic um, gift. It's like when you have that, it's truly a gift and it will curse your life if you don't follow it because it's like, uh, hello, knock, knock. Like uh, I'm still here and sure. you're never getting rid of me. So I know you're trying to run away from me or avoid me, but like, I'm going to hunt you down. So yes. you just have to become obsessed with it. I mean, you really do. Like people who are true musicians and true artists, like you can have boundaries and a healthy relationship with it, but it's not going anywhere. Yeah. You do have to be obsessed. And for the people that are not in creative jobs out there, I do think that my business side of publishing mostly helped me. There was times where I have a lot of like co-writers that are very free spirited and just kind of blow in the wind. And sometimes I envy that because my mind's like, not working that way. It's usually has some sort of tie to business, but that definitely helped me kind of figure things out in the creative landscape too, going, okay, um, well, what if we rented our own bus and followed this tour and, and asked these guys to write, maybe we could find it that way. Or if I pitch this song this way, or if I go to this event and shake hands with this person, you know, what is the business angle? I like working the angles, like strategies, like tricks. Yes. I feel like when you kind of like can go, all right, this person, one of my favorite things in music or in life is when people say no. And you're like, hmm. that's not a no. You're like, no, it's not a no. Like, I like the sound of that. Actually, they passed on that. Rascal Flats passed on that song. And then we just went back through a different route and ended up a number one song. So there's a lot of those stories in life where, you know, someone with some perseverance, we get told no most of the time. Like, if you get 10% of your songs recorded, you are like a superstar songwriter. Yeah. 230 songs a year. And when I won writer of the year, it was with six songs. Yeah. So that's in so what, what that means is the general public heard six of those 200 something songs every year. That's crazy. So when you think about it like that, you have to get used to the word no, and you have to get used to the sock nowadays. We sometimes you don't even get no's. It's just silence, you know? Um, so I think in, in life, it's a matter of like, stay the course, try not to chase. It's hard not to, right? We don't live in a vacuum, right? We're all kind of aware of things. So whether it's a business or it's a, a you know, a song, it's hard not to have influences, but I do think that people that can figure out a brand that's them, that they're passionate about and unique, then the world kind of just goes like this, right? And sometimes it will hit this brand that you're in and it's going to be cool. And other times it's going to dip out and it's going to come back. And, you know, there's been times over the course of the last 10 years, um, you know, where it's like there's stuff I'm doing where it fits really well in, in on radio. And there's other times it doesn't. And it's just a matter of kind of staying the course and not going, oh, you know what I'm going to try to do is. But I also like to kind of be that chameleon too. I love to get in a room with Miranda Lambert and go very, very country or get in a room with someone like a Thomas Rhett and go very, very not country. You know, you have, it's all inside of you. I love that. I love that you said it's like it weeds and then sometimes you hit, cause that's really how it goes because it's like Chris Stapleton, you know, I, I, so many people wonder this all the time, but it's like, was he so frustrated for so long? Because here he was this incredible singer, this incredible songwriter. I think he'd already had a lot of number ones. He'd probably had multiple record deals at this time and nobody he could not get received on radio. He could not pop. It would just not, it just didn't happen forever. And everyone's like, what in the world? But then all of a sudden it did, you know? And so it's like, and then it popped huge and it all connected. So I wonder like, what you're saying is sometimes all the timing has to align. And sometimes you just have to hit a wave where that's what a certain group of people are really wanting to hear, or that's what another creative is doing and you combine forces and it's like time for that moment to happen, you know, but it's like, you can't rush the moment, which is so frustrating with being an artist because you're just like, I'm so ready, but the moment has to happen. You have to have belief and patience. It's like, you really have to have faith in it. It's so crucial. I mean, people have asked me the same kind of thing. They're like, were you frustrated that it took you 12 years to actually become what you came here to become? But you know, Stapleton is a great metaphor. If it wasn't for the Florida Georgia lines, if it wasn't for a lot of these kind of crossover things happening, then maybe Justin Timberlake's not going on to the CMA awards, you know, 
and doing these kind of collaborations. If, if it's not for Thomas Rhett coming to town and starting to get some cuts who grew up listening to everything from hip hop to country music, maybe he doesn't hear Crash and Burn, you know? So it's a, it's a, it has to be a timing thing, especially in anything creative, but also very much in business. I mean, sometimes you, you got to be careful, like, is this the right time to pitch this project? Is this, you know, and a lot of times we don't know. So when you look back and go, man, they must've been so frustrated. I don't think he really knew any different. He, we all were just like hungry and he had a classic rock band that he was playing out with and writing songs. He was getting some Luke Bryan cuts and stuff like that, but it just didn't become the brand that it is today until later on in the world needed to change. So yeah. I think that's such a, it's such a hard thing to hear when people like, I remember being younger and hearing those kind of things and it goes in one year out the other. Cause you're like, just, that doesn't really do much to help me. I'm waiting on the world to change basically like a John Mayer song or something, mm -hmm. but there is something to be said about, you know, we can't like, I could not go back and change any part of my story. It would have ended completely different. The way that it happened allowed me to, have a life where I'm able to DJ and do all these things, everything I always dreamed of, as opposed to maybe if I went back and made it happen faster, something in my life doesn't occur, you know? Oh, like maybe you needed the space of what uh, the dream, the, uh, the the prominent dream you're focusing on. Maybe you need a little space of that not to happen right away. So you could have some other space made room to work on these other parts of you that probably would have been ignored. Right. Absolutely. Because in 2016, when we did the, venture with rock nation uh, our company's called rhythm house and rock nation, rock nation with jay-z what what yeah and it, their their question was what do you want to do oh that's a and good then you're one. like uh yeah how do you answer that correctly for jay well, that's a weird company. question like like if you actually sit down as a human being and go what do you want okay and, what do you want tell me i need to know what you answered my answer was everything i want to do everything i'm doing now but bigger and that was the, uh, just a if that would have happened sooner, I wouldn't have known. But I knew that, okay, I don't want to stop DJing. I don't want to stop doing multiple genres. I like working with songwriters. Uh, I'm I'm obviously writing and doing okay with it. I want to still produce. I don't want to be tied down to anything. I want to just have a ton of freedom. I don't want anyone telling me what to do. I will work hard. I need someone to trust that my work ethic will be there. I'm going to show up to work but I don't need anyone like breathing down my neck. And one of my biggest fears was, okay, this is a company that's not in country music. They wanted to plant a flag in country, but I didn't want them to be sending people down going, Hey, sign this person, sign that person. And they said, look, we, we need you. You don't need us. And um, they said everything I wanted to hear. Obviously I was a ginormous still to this day. He's, he's a, he's a business hero of mine, not just a music hero. So Jay-Z? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's another guy there. So Jay-Z is one of the, uh, obviously the, the main owner. And then there's a guy that runs a company called Jay Brown, who manages Rihanna and Shakira and a bunch of people. Uh, but he was kind of like our point person uh, day to day. And he was amazing and just kind of gave us space. And, you know, I, I remember when we went backstage at the, um, uh, Beyonce show when we just signed the deal and I'm like shaking, like, you know, so I'm having champagne with Jay and toasting the, the signing of this project and just like deer in headlights. And then all the different years later, we've gone to so many different events and been around them. And my wife's better. She can like interact. Oh man. So I've had Stevie on the podcast. She told me her Beyonce story. It oh, is. Yeah. That's the same I, show. Yeah. I think she like, told it on the podcast too where she like had too much to drink or something and she kept going back up to Beyonce because she like knew they were best friends or something I'm just like Stevie oh, yeah. Stevie funny. for the win and then yeah. she says that y'all have this saying where y'all are like okay you're wearing it out you're wearing it out you need to slow your roll because you're wearing it out <laughs> and I'm well, like that's that. the thing about having a good partner to call you I'm like hey come on reel it back a little bit that's but Beyonce probably... you've had your moment we need to step back from Beyonce okay. yeah <laughs> I usually freeze up though with, with you know it's hard when people are disarming. One thing I like about him is that a lot of celebrities will be like, Hey man, or shake your hand and walk. He always stops. And sometimes you're not prepared to, to say anything. More. 
So you like, I start panicking, freeze up. I'm really yeah, you, you were prepared for hello, but that was it. And then it's like, oh gosh, now we're having a conversation. What do you, how do you launch into a conversation with Jay-Z? Like what's your go-to? Well, one of my terrible things that I did for years is reintroduce myself. And every single time he'd be like, hey, I know, I know who you are. How's it going with so-and-so? And, you know, when I did uh, win right of the year, that was sick because we signed with them in 2016. And I won right of the year in 2018 for the first time. And he sent this amazing video that they played at BMI and it was super sweet. So he always, you know, we, we got their first country number one and we got them, you know, Grammy nominations and, and awards. So it was a cool little thing for them. They, they liked the aspect of, you know, knowing that they had rock nation on the country charts basically. So that was a pretty cool experience and um, they've been amazing to us and invite us to all the events and, it, it's never going to quite be normal for me, but um, that's something that was like a childhood dream of going. Well, also never- like good for them that it worked with you guys. So many people from rock and pop and other genres always try to come in to Nashville and partner up with a local Nashville company. And a lot of times it really doesn't work at all. You're right. You're like absolutely- I would say 85 to 90% of the time it's a giant fail and they just leave and go back and do what they did and just pretend like it never happened. So the fact that rock nation was able to partner with you guys and you were able to align so well and create hits and like a mutual partnership of a win-win that's like, that's kind of a big deal. Yeah. I think that it is a rarity. You're right. You know enough about all this to know that a lot of joint ventures, honestly, opening up a publishing company and, and for the people that don't know, publishing is like, it, I always thought it was like magazines and books, but it also can be copyrights. In other words, the song. So we'll sign songwriters and, and publish them. So opening up a publishing company is like opening up, opening up a restaurant. It's a terrible idea. Um, so you and Jesse, just, you and Stevie just said, let's do it. Well, again, heroin addicts. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, there's not much of a choice, but if you were, you know, if like, if anyone ever came to me for advice, I'd be like, I'm thinking about either opening up a restaurant or a publishing company. I'd say, dude, just be a plumber. Like, Yeah, yeah. Just walk away while you can. No, but then you're like, but also it's the best thing you're ever going to do with your life. It's going to break your heart in a million pieces. But it's also going to give you all the joy you could ever dream of. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, that basically sums it up. Yeah. So, yes, it so was, good luck. <laughs> yeah. And it makes you really proud when you go to an event knowing we're making money. We're not making mm. money. Because I was surrounded by all these moments and you're looking around the room going, Oh my God, that's so-and-so, that's so-and-so, that's so-and-so. And you're like, you know what? It's Christmas time. We're here at this Christmas party. We're here. It's a very VIP group and we're supposed to be here and we're making them money and they're proud of this. And so that was, that's always been a really cool achievement that, you know, without Stevie, without Van, without um, BJ Hill at the time was there, that stuff doesn't occur. So it was a uh, pretty cool. You have a good point there. And I talk about mindset all the time on my podcast and like just, you know, rewiring the brain, learning your worth, walking in worth. And you said you were looking around at a Christmas party thrown by Jay-Z and Rock Nation and all that and tons of VIPs in the room. And you're telling yourself, okay, we're supposed to be here. But even if you weren't making money, you were still supposed to be there because they believed in you to partner with you. But I know what you mean. It's just like you feel so relieved that it's like, oh, my God, we did it. But then it's also like reminding ourselves not to do this all the time. It's like, okay, you know, you're good. You know, you're great. You know, you're showing up. You know, you're doing the work. You know, it's as good a quality as anybody else's. You know, it's awesome. But it's like just to believe that when it hasn't fully popped yet, you know, or whatever, or or to prove yourself or to prove that you're you're valid, validated. I mean, I had so many years of just trying to prove that I was validated to myself, but it's like, just knowing that you're worthy, but it's so hard to get that mindset, right? So hard. And for me, it's a practice. Like I've learned enough now to know I'm never going to perfect this. I've had all more accolades than I could ever dream of. I've done things that I never thought were possible. Um, and yet that thing that I'm always kind of looking forward, like that, that Uber respect, or it's going to get easier that just doesn't happen. Like you get to the top of the mountain and you're like, oh, where's the party? And they're like, oh, we moved the party to this mountain over there. That's basically what the music industry is. And I think in general, most of the world, like 
we all think that just over that mountain is going to be cruise control. And it just isn't, especially in the world of entertainment uh, and arts. It just it's constantly shifting. It's constantly evolving more so in the last two, three years than ever. You know, especially as a songwriter, there's so many things that you're dealing with on a regular basis. Um, so I feel some days as insecure as before I had a single number one. Really? Uh, That's hard to believe. Absolutely. Like I know, I know that I, what I like, I know that I can, I trust my gut and there's certain people that I'm more comfortable with than others. But, you know, if I go on a bus trip, you know, I've got my, my tracks prepped and my ideas and my hooks prepped and all that stuff. And we get on the bus. I'm still a nervous wreck until we get that first song in the can that can relax a little bit. But, you know, I write at 11 today or, or whatever we do at any point, I'm as nervous as the first song I ever wrote. So, well, that means you really care though. And that means you're really not just dialing it in. This really, really matters to you. I, it does matter to me. And I don't think we know, like, I don't believe otherwise no one has a flop. In the in the history of the world, whether you're Marvin Gaye or Whitney Houston or Max Martin or Quincy Jones or Michael Jackson, no one ever puts out a flop doesn't exist. So what that tells me is that the biggest, you know, my idols, my the people that I think are genius musicians didn't always get it right. And I do think that there's comfort in that going, OK, if I can just kind of go with. We're going to do the best we can in the room. We're going to try to like it. And that's it. All we can control is what we do today. So, but yeah, I, you know, I've, I've thought for a while that I was going to get to like this Zen state of pure confidence, give zero fucks, take on life as it comes, whatever it is. Um, and now I kind of just feel like it's a practice. Some days I'm good at it and other days I'm not, but it's constantly kind of just going it's all right, or whatever that mantra is going, it's going to be fine, or whatever else it is, because it changes all the time. Do you love fashion? Do you love getting compliments on how well you're dressed? Are you always seeking the latest trends? Then we're talking to you. BostonProper.com is your fashion destination and the only place to go for all those nods, head turns, and new styles. No matter the day, season, or occasion, Boston Proper has what you're looking for. Sophisticated, confident clothing designed to flatter and get noticed. So visit BostonProper.com now and start creating your perfect wardrobe. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. I think that's why it goes back to like four principles and, you know, like showing up, working hard, being your best, doing the work to be your best. You know, it's like when you trusting your instincts, staying in alignment, when you do those things over and over again, it's like you can look back on your day, every situation, you're like, okay, I did the best I could. I literally did the best I could in the situation I had, so whatever happens. I mean, that's where I feel like you have to believe in something higher too. Like, I feel like more than ever, I have been leaning on my relationship with God, like in a new way than I used to. And I know you work a lot with Thomas Rhett and I just posted a video of him, I reposted it because I thought it was so cool. He stopped his show in the middle of an arena to pray for someone who had a serious health issue happen in the middle of the show. And he just stopped the music and said a prayer. And I'm like, man, if anything that's happened to me and I just turned 40, that's like a landmark year. You know, it's like, I just feel like you can, I cannot 
lean on myself anymore. Like I have leaned on myself and my ego and my, you know, chasing things because I was insecure or needed validation or whatever. And it's like, that kind of works for a while, but like ultimately the long game, like you've got to have a spiritual practice. I feel like I just, I don't, I just feel like I can't make it without one. How do you feel about God in relationship to the gift of songs coming through you? And, you know, like you said, you never know what's going to happen. It's so much bigger than yourself. How does the spiritual side play into that for you? You know, just as you grow older, you start to learn how to have your own spirituality and not your parents' religion. Um, so through my life, it's funny because the, the more I, I moved away from religion, I got closer to my own personal relationship with God and, and going through things and going through Stevie had breast cancer and, and, and going through those kind of struggles, it, it kind of taught me, you know, what my relationship were, was and my conversations and, and also, you know, going through different situations where I thought I, you know, where I saw quote unquote Christians handling things a certain way. And one thing I thought was missing a lot was just being human to each other. Agreed. In other words, when I was going through those times with Stevie dealing with all her surgeries, people were just sending scriptures a lot. And really I just wanted someone to like go, dude, that fucking sucks. I'm so sorry that you're going through that. We're praying for you guys. Love y'all. Because I feel like sometimes we don't interact well as humans and it, and it's nothing against God. It's not that God doesn't have this, but he also put us here to interact as human beings. So the more that I've found people in my life that are spiritual people um, and believe in God, but, but interact on a real basis. um, That's when I kind of felt the most, you know, at home, and kind of leaning on something connected exactly that to me has been a big kind of epiphany in my life later on where it's like it's it wasn't so you know anytime you insert human beings into a culture it can tend to like have a downside whether that's you know a big church with laser lights and nothing against the super church or whatever the politics are of a situation so for me you know being a creative person struggling with you know, all the insecurities and, and figuring things out, but then really looking back and going, man, everything kind of fell into place exactly the way it's supposed to. That becomes a comfort. And it's, it's kind of like God saying, I got you. I yes. don't want to hear from somebody why Stevie battled breast cancer. He was teaching you guys something. I don't want to hear that. I, I want them to go. I love you. I'm sorry. You're going through this. Stevie is an amazing ambassador for, for people going through breast cancer. And she, has learned a lot from it. But I think that we need to do a better job of kind of interacting as human beings. And from seeing those people that I've met that do that, um, it's helped me to be a better spiritual person. You know, I found I found myself getting resentful towards and blaming God because of the actions of religious people. Mm. So mm-hmm. I've kind of found peace with just kind of being a spiritual person and surrounding myself with human beings that just are are loving and caring and wellness check. And, you know, that's when I was like, wait a second, you know, I'm putting this blame for what I think are kind of immature actions of humans on God. And it's so, so silly. So. Well, and you know, we live in a dualistic world and that's something I've really had to like understand lately because I have been very frustrated with the state of the world and people, the way people treat each other and just like, all the thing, you know, abuse. And it's just, it's a really harsh place that we live in. But sure. I have really come to realize like we are in a dualistic world. Like you're born into this world and you immediately have predators. You know, it's like, it's like the circle of life. It's a very brutal, gruesome circle of life that we live in, but it's how it all flows and it works in harmony. And so it's just like, I've had to accept that this is a world that we live in that does have pain and suffering. And there are the, the people are, taken advantage of and it's been that way since the beginning of time and so i feel that it's just i find my comfort in knowing that like all i can do is try to be most aligned with myself and my highest and best version and that's when i feel like i have god like guiding me because otherwise if i'm just trying to walk through this world on my own accord 
I just get consumed with life. Like, and it takes me down. It will like ruin my days and like ruin my mindset and like ruin my, it'll ruin my, it'll steal the joy from my life. And so like, I've realized I've had to lean on God so much more as I've gotten older because I'm like, I physically can't make it through this world without something bigger guiding me. It's just too heavy. This world is so heavy. It is heavy. And it's, and it's, you know, we're all still kind of recovering from a crazy few years. And I think, you know, we'll look back in 10 years and go, wow, that was even crazier than we all knew and the trauma from a lot of that. And and it was a very polarizing time and human beings were at each other's throats and, you know, but I think in general, what I've learned is like one of the most Jesus-like things I've seen in my life is just when a human being isn't quoting anything, whether it's poetry or scripture or prolific, it's literally just going, hey, how are you? Are you okay? That's all we really need, you know? And, and to me, the more I saw that, the more I was like repairing my kind of personal feelings of, you know, past religious traumas or anything else in my life and kind of going, all right, that to me, that's, that is very godly. And I, I see, you know, spirituality in human beings when we're just good to one another and Oh yeah. Cause give humans anything and they'll mess it up. Of course they're going to mess up religion. I mean, come on, you know, <laughs> I mean, humans mess everything up, yes. but okay. I'm going to wrap up. I know you have to go to a songwriting appointment, but I just want to quickly circle back around to sure. how you got me my first internship because I had applied to intern for you when you were a secret songwriter working at a publishing company, Bob Doyle. Secret um, songwriter. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you guys didn't, I apply, I somehow met with you, applied with you, but y'all don't need an intern. And you were like, oh, you should meet with Victoria Shaw. She's this other hit songwriter. She had written songs for John Michael Montgomery and uh, Garth Brooks. And she was a hot thing back in the nineties and two thousands. And I don't know when she, a long time, she had a lot of hits for a while and she's yep. still an incredible songwriter. And I love her so dearly. Um, but you're like, you need to uh, intern for her. And so I was like, okay. And that started my whole career. She mentored me. She signed me to a publishing deal. She taught me how to write songs. She gave me all of my first experiences in the studio and coaching me. And that was all because of you, Jesse, you set me on the track. (laughs) Well, she's the best. She's a good mentor. And, um, and she's still a great hit songwriter. I did not mean to say that when I was talking about her, she just was, her streak was like, she had a big streak for a while. Absolutely. (laughs) Another person with great ears and Designing good talent like yourself. But you got me started, Jesse. So look at you go. (laughs) Look at you now. You've got your little empire going. Oh, (laughs) yes. Yes, I do. I always wrap up with leave your light. And basically, it's an open-ended question. And it's what do you want people to know? Hmm. I think think that circling slightly back onto that, when you get to the top of the mountain, they move the party to a different mountain. So we have to kind of be careful that we're not attaching our joy based on the other side of the mountain, right? Mm-hmm. We have to like enjoy the climb, enjoy the, the the things going on. That's easier said than done when people say, oh, yeah, it's hard. You know, when life's kicking you in the butt, it's hard to kind of be present and enjoy the experience. But, you know, I have found that when you do achieve your wildest dreams, you'll figure out another reason to be unhappy. <laughs> so you don't, you need to kind of enjoy the process and the journey along the way, or else, you know, if you really kind of add up how many summers are on this earth, like it's kind of a spooky thought. I mean, I'm like, okay, how many summers do we get here? How many summers am I already past? So I maybe, if I'm lucky, you know, 40 to 50 summers left in my entire life, and I'm going to like be grumpy over whatever situation's bothering us. It doesn't mean that it's not relative. And I understand we have to kind of be present and get things accomplished. But if we can kind of just recalibrate and go, man, I need to like wake up a little bit here and uh, realize what's important. So there's my light. I love that. And like you said, this too shall pass. And it's like, if you're like, you know, you said earlier, you've written 250 or however many songs a year and you know six of them made it to the top which is great for the standards of nashville songwriters i mean you're crushing it but still it's like on the scope of you writing all these songs that you're passionate and love it's like only six ended up getting totally heard by the world so yeah Yeah. you can't get so wrapped up in the mountaintop because quickly the party's somewhere else (laughs) 
Yeah, I fail most days. Like one time, my a friend of mine named Busby who passed away, but he was a hit songwriter and producer. He said this amazing thing, and it's always like stuck with me. But he said, if we wrote, if we wrote one hit song a month, that would be twelve a year, and that you would be the songwriter of the year every single year in any genre. Because, like I said, to be writer of the year in pop or country takes about five or six songs. So if you're doing 12 hit songs a year, that means you're still failing 29, 30 days a month, which is crazy. And none of us even achieve that. So, you know, you just kind of have to recalibrate, you know, what it means to achieve and what it means to be successful because we're just so used to hearing no. So it is unique career in that sense where maybe we are good at uh, being optimistic because we just get beat up so much. <laughs> I love that. Okay. You said one thing and then I'll wrap up. You just okay. said we have to redefine what it means to be successful. What does it mean to be successful for you? Um, I've gotten to do what I love every single day since 2001. You know, like I literally have achieved every goal I've ever set out to, to accomplish. Um, I mean, so just that alone, like a lot of our friends will be like, you already won the game. Like it's Nintendo, you know? So I think that's it for, so for me, it's going, there's not a accolade that's going to give me this kind of like, oh my gosh, respect. He's a Lori McKenna or he's a Tom Douglas or Hillary Lindsay. You know, people, people are going to look at you the way they look at you, regardless of accolades. One person might think I've written 10 number ones, the next knows is 22, whatever it is it doesn't change. I could get 10 more and it's going to be the same. I could win a Grammy in January, February. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, whatever you put up in the trophy closet, no one cares. So we have to figure out other ways to kind of feel like we're achieving. And to me, it's just kind of nurturing friendships, you know, finding people that you love and care about, checking on others and celebrating others. That's something that I think songwriters do a terrible job at because we always feel so competitive. Text your friends, whether it's in business or creativity, just say, man, that's amazing. Congratulations. That's so hard. Because in the back of your mind, maybe you're envious or you're a little bit like jealous or you worked hard to get that thing, but you didn't. So celebrate them. Maybe they celebrate you. Maybe they don't. But if we can kind of just share a little bit of love, maybe it kind of lightens it all a little bit. I love that. And then while we're at it, let's have a dinner party and put on Return to Calm Springs and all just live our best lives. It's great. Sip some martinis. Sip some martinis and, you know, just pretend like Frank and uh, Marilyn are there. I love it. Jesse, so awesome chatting with you. You're so great. Return to Calm Springs is out everywhere. And also, you should just get both of them back to back, Calm Springs and Return to Calm Springs, because it is the perfect party music. It's so great. You're so talented. It's so cool that you're fully expressing yourself creatively and your journey is wild and amazing. So thank you for sharing it. Well, thanks for having me. Where can everybody find you? Just give me some links. Um, well, the Return to Calm Springs and Calm Springs are on Spotify, Pandora, Apple, Amazon, everywhere. Um, on Instagram, I'm at telemetry, T-E-L-E-M-I-T-R-Y. And that's about it. Okay, and listen to your country radio station and probably every other song was written by uh, Jess Frazier, the hit songwriter. So thank you so much for joining me. This is awesome. Have an amazing day and a great song. Go write. Maybe you're going to write a number one right now today. Send in those vibes. Okay. Bye, Jesse. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Do you love fashion? 
Do you love getting compliments on how well you're dressed? Are you always seeking the latest trends? Then we're talking to you. BostonProper.com is your fashion destination and the only place to go for all those nods, head turns, and new styles. No matter the day, season, or occasion, Boston Proper has what you're looking for. Sophisticated, confident clothing designed to flatter and get noticed. So visit BostonProper.com now and start creating your perfect wardrobe. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else.